what do we have in wellness if we don't have self-love? Like, why does it matter what we're eating or if, or how we're exercising or practicing self-care if it's not coming from a place of self-love? Welcome to Let's Thrive, a lifestyle podcast where you can find the tools and inspiration necessary to thrive on life. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and tune in every Thursday to hear the candid conversations I have with guests who are just like you and me, trying to figure out this crazy world we live in. Enough said, it's time to thrive. Happy Thursday and welcome back to Let's Thrive. I hope everyone had an amazing week so far and I just feel like it's passing by way too quickly, but that could just be because I'm currently feeling a little overwhelmed (laughs) in work as I assume we all do at points and that's okay. I'll keep this brief because I am a little busy and it's currently nine o'clock at night as the previous recording I did of this did not save. So time to improvise and here we go. Last week I did make it to New York City. That's a whole other story in itself but I made it and had a blast visiting and just hanging out with my friend in her cozy apartment. It was snowing outside and we baked cookies and I got to cuddle with her cat and eat delicious food. It was just such a good break. I was only there for two days and I just felt so refreshed and creative and inspired when I got home. Now I'm back (laughs) catching up on all the work, but I'm loving it. And like I said, I feel so inspired and creative, just refreshed. And then next week on Wednesday, March 6th, I'll be going to LA and I have the wonderful opportunity to attend Expo West. I'll get to visit friends while there and then tour the area and then head to San Francisco for a few days before flying home. And I feel very grateful for this opportunity and I just cannot wait for it and a little bit of sun because I feel very pale and very much in need of some sunshine. So that will be good for me, I believe. Now I'll finally move on from my for my life updates. Today's guest is the amazing Nat from Plenty and Well with Nat on Instagram. She is the definition of a bubbly personality, just exuding such positivity and good vibes. You'll even hear that this was the first time with all the audio working from the get-go for the podcast, and we, we say it's her good vibes coming into play. But besides that, she's just an amazing woman. She's a health coach looking to empower women in health of all aspects, whether that's self-love, mental, physical, exercise, like she ties everything together because that's what true health is, as we all know. (laughs) And pretty soon she'll be offering business courses and she's just, she's got it going. And we talk about her journey to the present, how she overcame exercise addiction and was actually able to get certified as a fitness trainer, which is just such an amazing transformation from point A to point B. And we talk about her rocky road with health and how she overcame it and where she's at now with it. And then the topic we really touch base on is her autoimmune disease that has really affected her life, yet she doesn't let it bring her down. And it's ulcerative colitis, if I said that correctly. She's had moments where she was hospitalized and she couldn't get out of bed for the day and she couldn't eat and she couldn't drink. And beyond all that, she's maintained a positive attitude and continues to just thrive on life. If I throw that in there, I'm sorry. (laughs) But she really is killing it and she's such an inspiration. 
sharing her journey has helped so many people come out of the woodwork, as she mentions in the episode, and come to her for advice. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. And she handles her condition so well, mending it perfectly into her life. And you'll also hear us mention a lot about Trevor Hall, and I apologize as no one probably knows who he is, but he's this amazing artist that completely goes with our vibe, and I haven't found another living soul that knows who he is or likes him, so I apologize for that, but you should check him out. I mean, his music's good. Nat and I like him a lot, so... (laughs) Okay, I hope you like this episode as much as I did. I'll quit rambling now. Here is the amazing Nat. Hey Nat, can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, perfect. This is the first time it's everything has worked out from the beginning. Oh my gosh. Yes. I bring the good vibes, apparently. (laughs) You do. This has been the first time that all the audio has worked, so that's a good sign. Yay. But how are you? I'm doing good. It's It just got sunny here a little bit ago. Located again. I live in, like, the middle of the forest in Pennsylvania. <laughs> no way. That's so cool. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's a very different vibe, but yeah, I'm just I'm so excited to have you on today and um like I told you before, from the moment I started this, I had a list of people that inspire me and I've been low key trying to manifest you guys as guests and <laughs> so far it's been working. I saw that you're a Trevor Hall fan and I just I had to connect because you're the first uh, other Trevor Hall fan that I've really met. Oh my God. I know I never meet people to like that know who he is. My roommate got me hooked on him. Like, well, when I had a roommate in college, like junior year of college, like two years ago. Cause I was like trying to kind of get into yoga and just like a calmer kind of like create my space a little calmer. And she's like, you should listen to this guy. And now I'm like, life goals is just to go to one of his concerts. Truly. Oh, that'd be amazing. I'd, I definitely would do that. <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh. Well, how are you doing? What's one thing that has made you smile today? Um, oh man, let's see. Mm, oh, well, that's so hard. <laughs> I feel like I'm like a smiley person. Um, I would say I saw, this is going to sound super silly, but on Facebook, you know, they'll tell you like friend anniversaries or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was like told me it was like the five year friend anniversary of like me and my best friend who I like lived with all through college. And it's just super funny because we like met through Facebook and that's like how we became roommates and then just like the stars aligned and we became like best friends. So I saw that today and I was like, oh, take that's me back. It was a cute little, cute little moment. That's so sweet. Oh yeah. Well, I love that. Okay. So I guess So can you just take us back a bit and give us an idea of where your journey with health really begins, whether that was young or high school age or somewhere in there? Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up, I was always, our family was always pretty healthy. Like we always had gardens and would like go to farmer's market. So from a young age, I feel super lucky that my parents raised me just to appreciate good food um, and like healthy food and to always try new things. And, um, and I always also kind of had some gut health issues. So that was kind of always on my radar to like experiment with different foods or not eating different things. And, um, so I was pretty healthy all through high school too. And I was active. I was a dancer growing up and then I got to college and freshman year was just like, it was, it was a very quintessential freshman year. My health kind of 
flew out the window. But then at the end of my freshman year, I started getting really into long distance running. And so it kind of like relit this spark in me to kind of fuel my body and take care of it. And that summer when I ran that half marathon is actually when I started the blog just because, you know, I was always taking photos of my food and I was starting to get in the kitchen more as I was running more. And so it really, I feel like that's when my own personal health journey apart from my family's kind of health journey took off. Um, And it's definitely had ups and downs since then because I then, my sophomore year had an eating disorder and over-exercise. So I kind of took my health journey to too much of an extreme and then got back on track, got help, and then got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. So then it was like a whole another chapter because of my gut health. So I feel like my current health journey really took off after that kind of diagnosis. And um, that's when I really got into kind of the holistic health aspect of, you know, mind, body, soul, and kind of the way I eat and move now, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And going back a bit, when you were like a kid and you had the gut issues, you didn't know like that this might be related to your, I I think I'm saying this right, ulcerative colitis? Yes, that was perfect. Okay. And so did you guys have any idea that, you know, maybe you had like an early stage of that? Or do you think your digestive issues were just something else? I think at that point, they might have just been like food intolerances. But at the same time, my mom has Crohn's disease. So it's just like another form of IBD. So it probably should have signaled us in a little earlier (laughs) to get tested for that, even though it's not genetic, or at least they don't know of a gene yet. It is definitely familial. It definitely runs in families. But at the same time, yeah, I'm not sure exactly if I had UC before or if it was triggered by something else. Um, I always, you know, it's hard to tell, you know, what brings it on, what causes it, um, and like traumatic events or things like that can bring it on and definitely had some of those moments freshman year. And that's when I think I probably started getting it or got it. Um, so yeah, it's kind of been a weird journey of like, maybe I could have known about this earlier, but we just have no clue. I love on your blog, you did the difference between IBD and IBS. Could you just like share that? Because I never knew that. And I think knowing the difference between them, because I think IBS is such a almost buzzword nowadays. So could you just give that differential between them? Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's something I definitely see mixed up a lot. And I don't ever want me talking about the difference to discount, you know, the gut health or the pain that people with IBS or other digestive issues have. But I do think it's an important distinction to make. Because as you said, yeah, I mean, I swear everyone I meet has IBS just because of how food is processed here or the toxins in our lives or whatever it may be. But so the main difference is that IBD stands for irritable bowel disorder and IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. And so IBD is an autoimmune disease um, and it's a chronic illness that can never be cured. Whereas IBS is not an actual diagnosis. It's more of a blanket diagnosis for digestive issues. Um, So with IBD, which is Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, there's actual inflammation ulcers and, um, yeah, inflammation and ulcers throughout your digestive system. So Crohn's disease, it can be any part of your digestive system, even in your mouth, if people have it really, really badly. Ulcerative colitis is localized in your colon, uh, but it actually 
like, what am I trying to say? It actually like disrupts and creates damage in your digestive tract. Whereas IBS, your digestive tract is perfectly fine, looks totally fine. Nothing is like physically wrong with it. It just like doesn't really always seem to work very well, which is what leads to like the bloating and things like that. So yeah, that's kind of the main thing is just like IBD is actual damage, can't be healed, whereas IBS could definitely um, be healed, which is awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I just, any little bits of knowledge I like to share with people because there is so much of this happening nowadays uh, with digestive issues and the more you know, the better. So thank you. Of course. And so during the college time, you said that your sophomore year, I believe, is when you kind of got into these maybe not so healthy tendencies with eating and exercise. Were there like some triggers or some events that made you see that these tendencies of yours were maybe not all that healthy and weren't serving you? Yes. Oh my gosh, definitely. I think I knew the whole time that they weren't healthy behaviors. Like I there was no doubt in my mind that something was kind of wrong. Um, And I think I definitely, they kind of were brought on by just feeling this need for control in my life. So my, and I was not dealing with those things. So one of my friends, good friends actually um, died my freshman year of college and I refused to talk about it. I didn't want to seek help. And so I kind of like sought that comfort through controlling my body, controlling food. It just made me feel more in control when my emotions were completely out of control. I kind of always knew I was using it to cover it up, but that doesn't make it any easier to stop. Um, But I think what really then triggered me to realize something needed to be done was just continually seeing me get more and more fatigued in my daily life and not being able to concentrate really on academics, which like I love school and academics were such a big, like, part of my pride, I guess, of who I was. And then also running was like the biggest part of my life at that point. Like I loved running half marathons and long distance running was like my one and only love at that stage of my life. And my mom, who's like my very, very best friend came to me and she told me, she's like, I will not support your running anymore. I won't go to your races if you don't seek help. Cause my parents are really trying to encourage me to see a counselor and get help and talk about things. And so it was kind of that moment that just like broke my heart because, you know, my parents are my best friends and running is my favorite thing. So knowing they didn't support it unless I was going to get healthier, um, kind of made that mental switch in my head that if I wanted to keep a good relationship with my family, as well as a good relationship with this sport I fell in love with, I had to heal my body and have a better relationship with it. So that although it still took a while to completely like heal and get over those mental barriers as well. I think running kind of saved me in that sense where it triggered me to realize I needed to get better. I'm sorry to hear about your friend. And I do want like anyone listening to, to know that grief is one of those, you know, horrible things that we all deal with, but depending on, you know, the circumstance and I think also it has to do with age, it can really lead to those controlling tendencies. And that's how my whole thing started too was um, not dealing with grief and instead turning it into trying to, you know, like you can't control the death and you can't control the aftermath, but you can control your body. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better. I think that's so important for anyone listening that struggles as well. Which point during this did you decide that you wanted to enter the fitness realm with your certification as, you know, this is something that coming from a past with exercise addiction 
you know, some people might be a little wary of. So how did you decide that you really wanted to do this and that it was even healthy for you to do this? Right. That's actually a really, really valid point. I think one of the biggest things was that I definitely have loved fitness my whole life. I started working out in the gym when I was 12, which now trying to think of <laughs> little 12 year old me in the weight room cracks me up um, because it was just a huge part of our family. So we'd go and like go to the gym together as a family. And so I grew up with very healthy exercise tendencies. So I think it was for me after I, you know, started seeing a counselor and a sports nutritionist and getting my health and mind back to a healthy space. I think it was easy for me to remember like what a healthy exercise routine looked like. Um, so that was definitely helpful kind of being able to fall back on how I'd grown up working out and realizing like, you know, you did this for 18 years and it was perfectly healthy. Let's go back to those tendencies. Why did you decide you wanted to get the certification in fitness? So I have always kind of had this desire and this like need inside of me to help other people. And I don't know if that's just my personality or because I'm definitely like an empath or what, but I think that's the biggest part also why I've always loved having the blog and having the Instagram account is I loved reaching women and helping them. So I kind of thought that becoming a personal trainer would help me do that in a more like physical realm in a real life setting. And just because of my past with exercise addiction, I wanted to really help women as a trainer to see movement as some a way to celebrate their body rather than to punish it. And I also saw this huge need for confidence in women when it came to like the weight room or just the gym in general, just I think because I had started working out in a gym pretty early, just because I'd always seen my mom work out in the gym, I never thought twice about being a woman in the weight room. Um, and so I really wanted to kind of help instill that motivation and confidence in women as well. So that kind of was the one of the biggest motivating factors. And so yeah, two about two months before I graduated college, which mind you, I was going to be a PR, I was going into PR and marketing, mass communication was my major. But two months before graduation, I called up my parents and I was like, you know, I'm revoking all my applications to PR firms and I'm going to be a personal trainer, which thankfully they were super supportive. And um, I studied a ton and got that certification and ended up being a trainer for a few months full time. But then I realized that it still wasn't quite the realm that I wanted to help women because fitness, you know, if anyone's read my blog or seen my Instagram fitness is such, I think such a small part, honestly, now that I think about it in wellness, I think self-love and, you know, your mindset honestly comes before everything. And it was really hard for me to work with clients at the gym, but not being allowed to talk about those things because it technically wasn't my scope of practice at the gym. And that's what really led me to then health coaching because I realized women need help with all of it, not just working out. Who did you go through for the fitness certification? I went through NASM, so the National Academy of Sports Medicine online, which I really liked. It was hard as someone who wasn't an exercise science major, but I really liked it. And I think they laid it out really well and straightforward. That's amazing. And then you said you kind of got into like the more health thing. Did you do any schooling or like, you know, programs for health coaching in specific? I just, I like to give people resources because I, I do IIN and I found it through a podcast. So I just always like to share people's resources if they have any. Yeah. So I actually uh, did IIN too. So okay. that, <laughs> yeah, I feel like most of my friends, I saw a lot of people doing that and that's kind of what sparked it as 
I was about to go to work one day as a trainer and I was just like on Instagram and I kept seeing somehow it kept popping up and I didn't realize like so many of my friends that I followed were health coaches through IIN. So I started like madly researching it and I was like in tears because I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I need to do. And I have to also leave for work in 10 minutes. So yeah, that's what I went through and I love it. I really, really like it. This is something I found and I'm curious to see if you agree, but learning about exercise and fitness, you know, and how the different parts of the body move and how different exercises create different results and how to incorporate that into like a healthy routine alongside, you know, the knowledge gained from IIN and personal experience. Did that help you kind of shake loose any lingering thoughts um, from your eating disorder? You know, the idea of knowledge is power to overcome it? Honestly, yeah. And I think sometimes that can be almost an ironic thing because you think, well, the more you learn and are reading about nutrition and fitness, it seems like, oh, wouldn't that make you more obsessed? But it was almost this thing where the more I learned about kind of that science side, I realized how just like flat out dumb my actions were, you know, reading about needing your muscles to recover and all of this, like made me, it was, I couldn't ignore the facts. And that's really what helped me. I think over my last hump of getting over any kind of disordered thoughts was making peace with rest days. I used to be like the most anxious person if I didn't work out. But the more I just really read and learned about muscle recovery and the importance of rest, the more I just couldn't not take them because I was like, I know too much to be dumb and work out seven days a week. And so it just became easier and easier until now I I love my rest days. And I think the biggest thing that got me there was really just learning and educating myself. All of that aside, I mean, you've done so much in that realm. And then you've had this insane journey with your UC and your severe hospitalization that is just from what I've read on your blog and your Instagram was rather life-changing. And can you just, you know, for anyone who's not familiar with this, can you just kind of give the lowdown on what it is and how it has really changed your life? Yeah. So it's, like I said, like it's an autoimmune disease that affects, so UC just affects my colon and it creates chronic inflammation and ulcers in my colon. So um, side effects or not side effects, <laughs> symptoms, you know, can be anywhere just from, you know, pain and having to go to the bathroom more, but also can be a lot more kind of dangerous and scary. Like um, you can have like blood in your stool and lose a lot of blood. So it, at first when I was diagnosed, that was in 2017, I had a very minor case, which I was super thankful for, but also very thankful just to have a diagnosis because I was able to then take steps forward. And um, for people listening to, I have always been on medication. I think a lot of people, because I definitely focus on like holistic wellness, people assume I can, I've been able to um, manage my symptoms all with diet, which I haven't. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But yeah, so it was minor for like probably eight months. And I started flaring about three months before I graduated college. But being a senior in college, I ignored it because I didn't want anything to take away from, you know, my last few months with my friends. And I was definitely, you know, stressed with finals and senior projects and, but also soaking up the fun, staying out later. So I just kept ignoring it and ignoring it and ignoring it. And when I came home then after graduation, which I could tell the week of graduation, it was getting really bad because for me, one of my main symptoms is fatigue. And it's like, this kind of tired where it feels like the couch is like sucking you into it. (laughs) You'll never be able to get up again. (laughs) 
And I was like, I think I'm just exaggerating. I'm fine. So then I came home and I think because it was kind of like all that stress finally went away after graduation, my body decided it was an okay time to attack itself. And my flare got super, super bad. And I thought I had like the stomach flu for like a week. I was just being stupid. And I sat on the couch for a week. I couldn't eat. And, but then the pain got so bad that finally we had to take me to the ER because I was like, something's wrong with my body. Even drinking water would like put my stomach in these like spasms. So I was then in the hospital for about five days and did more tests and saw that my UC had gone completely haywire. My entire, there was not one part of my colon that wasn't inflamed and um, covered in ulcers. So since then, it's been kind of crazy because I think before when it was minor, it was easy to kind of ignore it and not pretend like I didn't have it, but just like not think about it very often. But now it's definitely kind of always on the forefront of my mind. And I think a lot of that, though, is it's become the forefront of my business in a lot of ways and kind of what I talk about and advocate for on my Instagram and on my blog. And I think that's kind of the blessing in disguise is like, I feel so lucky every day that I get to help other women, especially because it's, I think a disease, a lot of people feel almost like ashamed to talk about because it has to do with like going to the bathroom, (laughs) which is like, who cares? We all do it. And so I like being able to empower other women to be open about their diagnoses. So yeah, that was like a long story short, but, or a short story long, if you, you say that. But um, yeah, I think I answered the question. Yeah, no, that was perfect. And I'm, I know from you know, following you that you do have to eat a very, like you said before, when it was minor, you could just kind of you know, live your life and every now and then maybe have some symptoms be uncomfortable, but that was that. And now you have had to, you know, kind of shake things up. And a big part of that is, you know, how you eat because you can't just eat willy nilly now and not expect flare ups or anything to go bad. So how do you approach eating in a regulated way without, you know, falling prey to those old thoughts and behaviors? Right. It's, it's a really kind of crazy thing where I now have to have a very restricted diet again, but it comes from such a different place than when it was restricted before. Because yeah, you're right. Like I have to be so careful. Like even I was in LA a few weeks ago and normally I can't eat vegan food just because it's um, like soy and a lot of legumes or grains, which are things that can really upset ulcerative colitis. But LA is like the land of vegan food that's also paleo and it's just so good. So I went a little crazy on vegetables, which I know for my body, I can't do raw vegetables very well or like massive amounts. And I literally went into a flare after I got home. And so it's just kind of this crazy thing where I even have to be careful of like vegetables I eat. But I think the biggest thing now, the difference is just because the mindset around it is so different. Now I realize that although yes, I have a restricted diet. It doesn't come from a mindset of feeling like, oh, I can't eat that. It's like, I'm choosing not to because I, you know, I don't want to go to the hospital or I don't want to be sick again, but I definitely still find ways to kind of be as intuitive as I can within limitations, which I think is like totally okay for medical reasons. Like, yes, a grain-free diet is what I do 90% of the time, but like, I just can't not eat rice cakes. Like I just love rice cakes. And I've like experimented enough to know like that for some reason doesn't hurt my stomach. Whereas like normal rice or quinoa does um, or bread. So it's kind of been this 
kind of this weird but interesting journey to find how to be intuitive within um, guidelines. But I think it just the biggest part is that mentality of now I eat in a restricted way, which I hate that word, um, but it works uh, in a stri- restricted way simply to keep my body functioning rather than before when it was restricted for truly no reason other than control. I agree. I, I always hate to use the word like diet or restricting, but like, you know, you, you eat in a regulated way. And I think this can tie into exercise and food choices that if you're choosing from a place of goodwill, you know, like you want to grow stronger so that you can do X, Y, and Z, and you want to eat this way so that you don't feel like this or that you don't suffer from these consequences, then it becomes so much easier. And at that point, it, be- it can become a lifestyle instead of these crazy diets or crazy exercise regimens that no one can stick to. I think that's like the key to developing like, you know, a healthy, balanced lifestyle. Exactly. And def- definitely makes it more like sustainable in the long run. So in general, would you say you approach life differently now because of your hospitalization? That was probably a rather traumatic event. And I'm just curious, have you found yourself with a different outlook on life, you know, whether that's more positive or more intuitive, or, you know, maybe you're delving a bit more into spirituality? I I don't know, but I'm just curious if, you know, this has changed your mindset at all going through all of these traumas. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I feel like how much it, I mean, it's not crazy, it makes sense, but it is just crazy to see that the positive aftermath that came from it. Um, I would say the biggest things, one, is my kind of outlook on stress and like the hustle because I'm someone that used to and still sometimes fall prey to workaholic tendencies. Like in college, it was working from dusk till dawn because full class load and working in the blog and I just, everything had to be perfect. I'm definitely a perfectionist before my hospitalization, that was just like, that was how life was. I was constantly stressed, but I kind of, I definitely felt prey to that, like glorifying busy. Like I loved, I kind of thrived off of feeling super stressed. And after my hospitalization, it just kind of hit me that I just, as much as I wish I could just full steam ahead all the time, I have to realize my limitations with an autoimmune disease that can be triggered by stress. So one of the biggest things is I finally started prioritizing like self-care and stress relief tips and tricks and kind of enjoying relaxation. Like I have never enjoyed relaxing probably until the last, you know, six or eight months since it's been my, since I've been hospitalized. And now I like, it's like a whole new world. I'm like, I'm 23 and I just realized it's fun to like relax. (laughs) Um, And so that's one of the biggest things is just, I feel like I take care of myself a lot more, not just physically, but also mentally, which has helped me in so many ways. And I definitely think too, it made me savor the good days so much more as cheesy as that sounds. But since that hospitalization, my days physically and mentally with health, it kind of is all over the place. Like I never really know how tired I'll be or if I'm going to just you know, have a day where I'm really anxious about having UC. And so it just, the days where I feel super motivated, super healthy, I like really take advantage of them and try to be productive and just like soak in all the good vibes because there are days that are super, super hard. And cause I just want to be real about that. And so it's just kind of finding that balance of really enjoying the good times. And then also, like you said, kind of diving into that spirituality of really like 
trusting in the universe and kind of harnessing moon cycles. And I'm not, I'm not an expert on any of that yet, but I love reading books about it and kind of reading people's like Instagram posts or articles about it. Because I think, especially when you have a disease that makes your life feel pretty out of control, it's really nice to kind of be able to hold on to something and find hope in something and, you know, always feel like the universe is on my side. Um, So that's been a really big change as well, which has been a really positive thing. This kind of ties into that, but have you ever had Reiki done? I haven't, but I'm really interested in it. Earlier this year, I went on this retreat with like the Healthy Maven. And while we were there, there was a shamanic Reiki master there. And so she was just going to do like a 15 minute long little example of what she usually does, even though she didn't have any of her usual tools, whatever. And um, when I was young, like my mother passed away and then I had my eating disorder and then I lost my aunt who was like second mother. And um, I've just had like a lot of things and I never dealt with them. And so in this 15 minute session, I had one of the most insane reactions. They, they were not expecting it. And it was very, you know, eye-opening and it's such a way, it's, it's energy healing and it, it touched that, you know, grief and trauma deep inside me. And I've had it done, you know, one other time. And next week I'm actually interviewing the Reiki master that I'm still in contact with. And so I'm just thinking, that's something you might want to look into just because, you know, anyone with an eating disorder, like everyone has trauma, you know, whether we know it or not, even if it was a stressful birth into this world, like you might not remember it, but everyone has trauma. And this is just a way to heal your energy. And kind of like, I swear, like it has changed how I, you know, approach things. And so that's something, you know, and then with the death of your friend and the trauma of your UC, I would, I would look into Reiki. And then as for the moon cycles, I'm, I'm reading the book Lunar Abundance by Ezzy Spencer. And that is such a good book to like break it down into simple terms for someone like me who has no clue <laughs> about any of that. Lunar what? Lunar Abundant. Abundance. Okay. It's just like, oh, it's so important. And it talks about like getting in touch with like your feminine and getting away from that like masculine lifestyle that so many of us live in with like the hustle, the work till you're exhausted thing. Right. And I guess that kind of plays in. So like another thing that I love about you and what you stand for is that you're so big on, you know, like self-love and self-confidence. And I love on your site, you have it that kick that minute inner mean girl to the curb. Like, how did you find yourself submerged in this realm of, you know, self-love and confidence that can kind of be overplayed in modern day media? Right. That's a really, really good question. It's definitely something I always think I knew the importance of, but never really dove in myself. But I honestly think it kind of goes back to having you see again, because like I said, I think getting diagnosed, especially at a young age with an autoimmune disease can kind of, it can be a blow to confidence because it's, you know, you kind of feel like there's something wrong with you and it's kind of awkward to explain to new friends or if you're dating. And I kind of just decided that that wasn't going to be how it was. And I, from the get go, kind of, I never shied away from telling people about it and um, explaining it to people. And Also throughout college, I was already so different from everyone because, you know, I 
wanted to go to bed early on the weekends and bake instead of party. And I kind of was at a fork in the road. It was kind of like my junior year where I finally was like, I either need to fully embrace who I am and just shout it from the rooftops or, you know, just stop caring, you know, and stop caring what people think. And so I kind of chose that and saw how life-giving it was to just accept that I was different, accept that I liked different things, accept that I had to be different because of my disease and never feeling ashamed or embarrassed or like it made me unworthy. And I really saw it transform my wellness in a way I didn't realize I even needed. And so that's when I kind of dove in and realized like, what do we have in wellness if we don't have self-love? Like, why does it matter what we're eating or if or how we're exercising or practicing self-care if it's not coming from a place of self-love? And I think that was also one of the biggest things that really helped me heal from my eating disorder and exercise addiction is realizing that my actions always need to come from a place of self-love. So now it's like I exercise because I love my body. And so if some days that means I walk a little bit outside or it means I get to go, you know, do some squats and jump around and do something harder, as long as it's coming from a place of self-love, then that's like exactly what my body needs. And same with food. If I'm nourishing my body and cooking things from a place of self-love and really tuning in, then they just feel so much so much more nourishing. Um, so I think the more I did things from a place of self-love, the more I realized how transformative it was overall and kind of realized it was that missing piece of my wellness, I guess, routine and lifestyle from before. Do you think that having this self-love can lead to an increase in self-confidence? I just, I think the two kind of correlate. Whereas, you know, if you don't love yourself, then how are you portraying yourself to the world around you? And, you know, I I don't know if you experienced, you know, when you really delved into self-love, did you find yourself more confident in yourself, whether that was in business or fitness or how you felt just in general? Oh, definitely. I think there's like the craziest correlation between the two. And I really think it's hard to have genuine confidence without having self-love or like that authentic self-love within you. Because I mean, I feel like we've all seen it where people act confident, but you can tell it comes almost from a place of insecurity. Um, And it's like their ego outplay. And I noticed true confidence really occurring when I accepted and loved myself. So I kind of have this, this idea or not this idea, but this concept of like, I think self-acceptance has to come before self-love. And so accepting yourself doesn't necessarily mean you're like overjoyed about maybe your characteristics or the fact you're different, but you have to start with just at least accepting it. And then it can move to that place where you actually love it and think you're just like, awesome, even if you're totally quirky and different. And so, yeah, I noticed when I started first, just accepted, like in college, for example, I accepted that I was different. I liked different things. I had different needs than my peers and other people my age. And then I started kind of loving it. I started realizing like, you know what? I'm super unique. And I love that I like to bake on the weekends and go on solo trips to new coffee shops because like I saw how much that nourished my soul rather than when I would try to fit in and, you know, go to parties or stay up late. I just felt like all of my energy was drained. And so once I started kind of loving those quirky parts of me, I started becoming really confident in them and it was easier 
to say no to the things that I knew wouldn't fill my soul. It made it easier to say no to people who couldn't accept me, uh, but also helped me be able to say yes more to new opportunities and things I kind of hadn't seen before because I was trying to kind of hide from my truest self, if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. And I I feel that so much. I heard this once. um, He was on a podcast or TV, whatever. And, you know, it was like, no one expects you to come from a place where, you know, you, you do not like your body or you do not like this about yourself. Like no one expects you to go from that, you know, like extreme dislike to full on body love, like, you know, within a little bit of time, like there's steps along the way, like maybe just move to acceptance, like accept the fact that this is you. And, you know, maybe, maybe you do want to change this little bit. But maybe, you know, after accepting it, you're like, heck no, like, I am this way because that's who I am. Like, I'm just going to go with it. And so I just, I love that. It's so true what you said. And do you have any tips for anyone looking to maybe amp up their self-love, self-care practices? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I just posted um, a blog post kind of on some like unusual, I guess you could say, self-love tips um, for Valentine's Day. So fitting. But one of them, I think the biggest thing that really helped me was allowing myself to be lonely. So I used to hate that feeling of being lonely. I always wanted social interactions and to surround myself with people. But it wasn't until I sat in loneliness and just really sat in my own company that I was able to kind of work through everything in my brain that was holding me back from loving myself and being confident in myself. And it made me realize that one of the biggest things was how much time I was spending with the wrong people. And so that's one of my biggest tips is just spending quality time with yourself and sitting in loneliness, even if that's uncomfortable, is kind of learning to embrace that uncomfortableness um, in order to kind of listen to your own thoughts and listen to what your like heart and soul are needing. Another easy one is like less social media time. Like even I'm taking a day off of social media today just because sometimes I notice like it's just nice to have a full day in my own thoughts, focusing on the real life rather than, you know, getting caught up in comparison or numbers or things like that. And also I'm trying to think of some other ones. I guess kind of like I was talking about learning to say yes and no to things. Um, learning to say yes to what you truly desire and no to things that don't serve you really helped me with self-love because the more I practice saying no to say, you know, like going out just because I felt like I should or to opportunities that didn't really fill me up and I knew were just going to wear me out really helped me learn to take care of myself in that way, which then in turn kind of helped me love myself more because I was just filling my life with things that more authentically aligned with who I was. So I think that's a really big thing is just kind of, kind of like filtering out your life from of toxic people, toxic relationships, even if it's like toxic Instagram accounts that bring you down and just really trying to make sure your life is just aligned with how you kind of want to feel about yourself. I couldn't have said that better. And it's so true. I found, especially with um, Instagram account, I started following some people and then as I was moving, trying to get out of exercise addiction and implement actual rest days, I'd, you know, then go on Instagram and, you know, I was following a few fitness accounts that I realized were not serving me and I unfollowed them and I've, I don't suffer from going on Instagram now, seeing them working out supposedly every day, you know, and then feel bad about myself. And then 
besides that, also with the whole yes and no thing, I've always been a spontaneous say yes to any opportunity. And that got me in a lot of situations where I had to weasel my way out of it. And it just isn't good for anyone. So taking time to kind of pause before any decision, even if it's, you know, someone asks you to do this for them or go here with them, just take a second, really think about how you feel deep down about it, and then answer. I think we're like such a society that's just like, you know, quick to respond. And I think that can get us in a lot of trouble sometimes. And (laughs) to go with, you know, a yes and I always like the saying that if it's not a hell yes, then don't do it. Like really feel deep down that it's something you want to do. Yes. Oh yeah. I think I do definitely think it's like kind of ingrained in our society to say yes whenever opportunity knocks, even if it's just like a social opportunity. And I think it kind of plays back to that too of loving the hustle. It's like say yes to everything and you're busier and you have so many plans and every event. And I think that's especially hard almost in the wellness realm, you know, when you're a blogger or Instagrammer, because there's all these events you could go to or things and it's easy to feel that FOMO. But I've really learned like, I'm just like, I'm a pretty introverted person. So like, I rarely, I don't go to that many events or things like that because I feel so inclined sometimes, but then realize I'm only doing it out of a place of, oh, I don't want to miss out. And it's like, that's not a reason to do something or take on an opportunity because that doesn't mean it really aligns with your soul. And so I guess we kind of skipped over this part, but you, you run your own business practically. I'm not sure what all you do. Do you do like the health coaching and the fitness still? Yeah, I don't work as a trainer anymore. Um, so I do health coaching, but I definitely, it's nice having that personal training background as well, because I can help clients with kind of all aspects. Um, it's like the client I'm working with, you know, I was able to write her up some workouts and give her some tips in that sense. So I do holistic health coaching and um, well, I really can help people with a lot of things. It can be gut health. Um, it can be the self-love. And I find usually it's kind of a little bit of everything. It's like the food and fitness, but a lot of it is the mindset, which is really cool to see that huge shift where, you know, maybe people's actual health habits don't change that much but it's just how they think about it. And it like completely blows their mind, which I think is a really cool transformation. And then I also have like a few online courses, one of which is about self-love that I just launched. And then I'm also actually going to start, which is a new thing, which will be fun, um, one-on-one like business mentorship clients. And so it'll be like four or six week programs where either they're bloggers or just like, you know, health wellness Instagrammers. And I kind of help them one-on-one each week, just kind of create business plan, help them with branding, help teach them some tips and tricks that have really helped me. Um, Especially being a mass communication major, I am a huge nerd for all things like, you know, SEO and learning how to optimize, you know, your website and your Instagram and branding and marketing and things like that. And I realized like, I was getting a lot of questions about that. And I love helping people with it. So I'm actually going to open up a few spots for that as well. So I'm kind of like a Jill of all trades, but it all kind of works back together into wellness. I love that. And I'm excited to see where you go with it. So where can people find you or get in touch with you if they're interested in your health coaching programs or just following along? So they can find me on my website, which is plentyandwell.com or Instagram, plentyandwellwithnat. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest, but my website and my Instagram would be the main places where they could get in touch with me. 
Perfect. Okay, so we'll just do some rapid fire questions to close out. I have some personalized ones for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, what's your favorite Harry Potter book? Oh, that one's hard. I think Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're we're meant to be friends. Trevor Hall and Prisoner oh. of Azkaban. Okay, so, yes. <laughs> I agree. So have you watched the Harry Potter movies then? Yes, I finished watching them all over like Christmas time. And I was just so shook by them all. I was like, I don't know what, I like didn't know what to do with myself once I'd finished all the books and watched all the movies in December. I was like, how does life go on? People are always surprised by this because uh, I've always been like a book nerd all my life. You know, like that's what I was known by. And I've never read the Harry Potter books, but I've watched all the movies like three times over. I just have never taken the time to buy the books and, (laughs) and sit down and read them. But I do love the movies, and I love the Fantastic Beasts series that is now out. Never seen that. Oh, you would. It's kind of like an extension of the magical world of Hogwarts and Harry Potter, and basically like the best way to deal with knowing that there's no more Harry Potter coming out. <laughs> That'd be good. Then I need to. I need to get on that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's your favorite Trevor Hall song? Um, probably "Can't Rush Your Healing." I guess I've never heard of that one. I know he has, like, a lot of songs, but... Sometimes I just will put, like, him on, kind of shuffle on, um, like, Spotify, and I'm like, how are there still songs I've never heard? Exactly. Like, I had a playlist, and then it kept playing more songs by him, and I swear, like, every day there's a new song, and (laughs) I figure someday I'll know them all, but... No. Or The Lime Tree. That one's good. Now I'm looking at my Spotify. I was just, I was just gonna say, Lime Tree is, it's on, like, three of my playlists that I have created. (laughs) Top three Instagram accounts to follow, you know, for any reason, inspiration, education, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Oh man. Okay. One is living meanily. I don't know how to say it. Her name, my friend's name is Nina, but it's hard. <laughs> it doesn't play on her Instagram, but she's the creator of Live 24K, like the turmeric golden fuel blend. So she's like a total boss babe, but she just, her captions are like the most beautifully worded little snippets of wisdom where I just like wish I could just soak up her wisdom all day long. She feels like a big sister to me. She's amazing. Um, The Banana Diaries, Brit, is just like a little ray of sunshine. She talks a ton as well about self-love. She has a really amazing like eating disorder recovery course and program that she takes women through. And she's just so positive, but also shows a super real side and makes really, really good food. Other top would probably be the Balanced Blonde. She was probably the first blogger I started following like four years ago when I started blogging. Um, And I read her book that is kind of a memoir about her eating disorder recovery when I was recovering. Um, And now she blogs a lot about, she has Lyme disease. So she blogs a lot about kind of like getting through a disease and healing. And so it's kind of cool, even though our diseases are very different, it's um, really inspiring to see her dedicate so much of her life to healing as well. No, and I don't know the first one, but Brit, the second one from the Banana Diaries is a true, uh, she's just like a heart of gold. And I actually did um, her first round, Her for anyone listening, um, she just opened the next section. She has a program called Healing 360. And I actually did the first round of it um, over the fall because I was coming from a place where I felt like I had, you know, like a tendency of orthorexia and I just thought, why not? And so I did her program and 
just like uh, the mental shift that she creates because she's just, she's a genius. I mean, in the realm of, you know, mindfulness. And so anyone looking for that, go check her out. And the Balanced Blonde is, she's like the queen, I feel, of <laughs> Instagram and the health world. Honestly, she's just like the, I feel like she's the first original of any of this. And so she's just amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more. Our last one. If you could scream one piece of advice from the rooftops for everyone to hear, what would it be? Oh my gosh. One piece of advice. I think it would have to be focus on loving yourself before even thinking about focusing on food or exercise. I couldn't agree more. I just, I love that. And thank you so much for coming on today. You're such an inspiration, and I know so many people will connect with this in one way or another. And so thank you, and I hope, I hope you continue to have a really good day. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. This was so fun. It was my pleasure. Okay, bye, Nat. Bye. There you have it. That was the wonderful Nat, and I hope you guys are inspired by her as I am. I feel so blessed to have connected with her and really found a friend in someone that truly inspires me. And that's what I love about this podcast. I find these people on Instagram and they inspire me or they have wisdom or something that I just want to share with the world. And I ask them and sometimes they say yes and sometimes they say no. And thankfully Nat said yes, a very happy all capital yes, I would love to come on the podcast. And I replied with a just as exclamatory yes, thank you so much. We've just been friends since then. We bonded over Trevor Hall and our love for Harry Potter. So it's it's been a, an amazing opportunity and I'm so happy to have shared her story with you guys. And if you want to get in touch with her, learn more about her journey or check out her programs or just follow along. She is on Instagram at Plenty and Well with Nat. I'll link it below as well as her site, Plenty and Well, where she offers her programs and such insightful blog posts and delicious recipes that I really need to try more often. Besides that, remember that the giveaway is still going through March. If you share yourself or just the podcast on your story on Instagram and tag me, then that is one entry. If you subscribe or leave a rate and review on iTunes, that's two entries. And at the end of March, I will pick one or two winners to win some goodies that I've collected over the months from various brands. And I'm so excited to share them with a lucky winner or two that has supported me on this endeavor. So thank you. And as always, feel free to connect with me. I'm on Instagram at thrive underscore on life. Besides that, I'll see you guys next week and bye.